Welcome back to the Hour Time Podcast, the podcast for watch geeks, by watch geeks. I'm John Biggs. I'm Victor Marks. And I'm Nicholas DeLeon. And today's show is Seiko, Seiko, Seiko. Uh, Seiko-tastic, as it were. How is everyone? What are we wearing? I am wearing a Tusenio from uh, Gothenburg, Sweden. Ah, the Swedish! Uh, once again, the Swedish come out with the uh, from the under from from behind the behind the scenes. The Swedes coming out of the hot tub. What is, what is the, the Swedish? What is the Swedish watch? What's the what's the shtick there? The the it's an interesting thing, right? It's it's very much a case in the the ethos of a royal oak or a well, it's it's basically the case shape of a royal oak, but with a rotating dive bezel on top and a very nineteen fifties nineteen sixties dive dial inside now now you have you have we're, we're going to talk about this this whole idea of the royal oak and uh and why is it important and why is it being why is it being why is it being robbed i guess you could say they're stealing the royal oak uh, I, the plant the, the design i don't know so we'll, we'll talk about that yeah, let's, but yeah, separate let's from that the tusenio it's an integrated bracelet it's a bracelet that tapers it's a rotating bezel and uh, they, they they first came out with this thing a year ago. Oh, and it's got a Swiss movement inside, Swiss automatic movement inside. They came out this thing a year ago and charged somewhere around $1,000, let's say, um, that kind of neighborhood, plus or minus 100 uh, And it was the Blackwater Tusenio. And they donated some portion of the money they used for it to a Swiss Dive Rescue Association kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like like the first aid or the coast guard or one of those kind of things, and it was it was a cool watch, and it like got funded and sold out almost immediately. And so now they're back with another version that doesn't have that on the dial, but it's it's still the same kind of watch, and it's pretty cool. Except that the integrated bracelet is really super chunky and does not bend away from the case nicely, and so it's like this huge thing standing up off top of my wrist. Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing? Are you upset? I'm 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 kind of annoyed because it's for a thousand bucks. I would want it to fit a little better. I'd want it to feel a little better, and they just didn't leave enough room for the integrated bracelet to move away from the lugs. I mean, do we all do we all agree that we're kind of like spoiled as watch dudes? Like we get to try new stuff all the time. Is that is that a is that a is that is that what we all feel? Well, so the thing that I try and keep in mind is. You know, we're we're borrowing these things. But if I yeah. were spending that money, if I'm putting up a thousand bucks, I I would like very much for it to be that, right? And and it's great that everything else is there, but that one piece is the the miss for me. Hmm. Okay. All right. I'll I'll I'll, I'll allow it. There, there's a watch reviewer who works for another site, who writes for another site, whose bio says that he has proudly never spent more than fifty dollars for a watch, and it it pissed me off because. First of all, his review, he was reviewing one of the, the Vera watches, not the one that, that you had, Nick, but another one. And I, I looked at his review and I was pissed off because every part about it, he didn't know any of the history of the influences that Vera was drawing on. And so he got a lot of things wrong, in my opinion. And then I looked at his bio and his bio is like, I don't spend money on watches. And I'm like, so why, why is this guy even credible? Why are we reading this guy? That's my question. Yeah. Why do we, you know, and, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but like, why do I care what he has to say? Exactly. And, and so one of the things that I think we do best is that we remember what the actual cost is, how much we're getting for our money and, and really trying to help people understand if it's a good value for them. 
That's one of the things I concentrate a lot in my day job. Uh, for folks, I'm a, I work at Consumer Reports. I'm a tech reporter there, uh, and we're all about you know value. You know, not everyone can run out and spend two thousand dollars on a new MacBook. Uh, so you can't really just say, "Oh, this is the best laptop." Uh, it's the same sort of thinking. You can't just say, "Oh, well, just get a Seamaster and you're great." It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. you could, but that doesn't that that's that, kind that of an unrealistic. Help you if you're advice. not in Steve exactly. Baxter budget, but to a degree, like the 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 the, the, the statement that just get a Seamaster is actually a true is actually a true statement I mean, because there's nothing of, wrong with that statement because a lot of people are a lot of people are going to be like if you're if you just want to get a good watch, you would argue yes. that just getting a Seamaster is probably the best way to go. Quite simply because. If you're going to spend that much money on a watch, you're going to keep that watch for X number of years. It's going to be your favorite. It's going to be your favorite piece, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas what a lot of collectors do, and myself included, I was I was in the same boat. You kind of like you start buying a bunch of weird watches that you don't think are that that you think are cool or whatever, and you have that you have this collection, quote unquote. But the collection holds no resale. Accumulation is what you have. Yeah, it's an accumulation. It, it holds no resale value. Oh yeah, it's also a thing of budgets too. Like if you're someone, you know, if money's no issue, then then why are you reading a? But you know, if you're someone who's like researching, you know, a nice dive watch, I have a thousand ish dollars to spend, and you read a ton of reviews, you're constrained by that budget, and you can't tell that person, hey, just spend five thousand, and you'll you're gold. I mean, true, that is a good, you know, yeah, like you said, John. Seamaster is, is a it, it's the correct answer. It is a correct answer. Yeah, but if someone it, is it, like going through the motions of like doing the research, it's not super great advice. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, but but, but I, I also I also look at this from the viewpoint of like the quote unquote very rich, right? So I so I'm I'm on a I'm on a watch group where these guys who are they made a little bit of money and they're all like they're all like Las Vegas dudes. They're really into like they're into like the diamond and stuff. They're like into fancy stuff, APs techs and all this other junk and those guys don't really care so those right. those, those yeah and, of course and they're totally they're buying person yeah and and they're, and they're buying watches the way that like some people buy sneakers and it's like they'll, they'll buy an oyster perpetual versus something something that i would say that, a, that is, has more value implicitly as a in terms of in terms of history in terms of uh provenance etc cetera, etc cetera. uh they would buy just a Oyster Perpetual versus something right. else. They'll, because... they'll pick up an OP as opposed to like a Zenit El Primero, where there's yeah, definitely yeah. some history there. And again, that's and that's that's not the, that's not to say that they're doing it wrong or anybody's doing it wrong. And I mean, they are doing it wrong, but let's not let's not go there. <laughs> but that's I'm, a different problem, right? <laughs> I'm trying to wear I'm trying to wear a Tosino uh, Chrono Chronograph, uh, which I've just replaced the damn. The crystal on and i'm literally as we speak i'm trying to put a small screw into a small hole uh i should probably just focus on speaking to you guys instead of doing this but to a degree i feel like i need to do this just to get this goddamn watch out of my brain uh i've been worrying i've been messing with this stupid thing for for months now uh hey, mr zeno it's yeah. finally going back together at least yeah nicholas what are you wearing i currently have on the timex q reissue uh, I'm wearing that because it does match my clothes that I'm wearing today. Just the quartz one I you got. Blue and red or what? Uh, actually, yes, I am wearing it's a an, another soccer ensemble, uh, so kind of blue, kind of red. Uh, but I was wearing all earlier this week, and maybe this can get into our first topic. I was wearing all earlier this week uh, the Cam uh, Hamilton Khaki Field Mechanical on the uh, mine came with the green NATO, but I put it on a gray NATO. Uh, sort of matches my clothes a little better. Uh, but yeah, it, it, the 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 khaki field mechanical, like Victor was saying before we started recording, is almost certainly the nicest watch in my collection. You know, it's the watch that 
always pops up on like YouTubers when they're going, oh, what's what's the best kind of Swiss watch under 500? Uh, it, there's a lot of value there. It, there's a lot to that little package. And I think I paid, I maybe paid like three something on Amazon. Uh, maybe I got it in a sale or who knows, but I didn't pay 500 for it. So that's what I'm wearing. And I think that might get us to our first topic this week. Uh, Hamilton is releasing this same watch, but on a bracelet. Oh uh, my and God. I, I know I saw what that and I was like, world, something is weird about it doesn't quite click. And then Victor schooled me in our slack and he explained exactly why it doesn't click. And so I'll, I'll leave it to Victor to explain why, why it looks kind of weird. Right. So the, the part that's visually jarring about that for you is the end links. The end links are the part that are at the end of the bracelet where it joins the case of the watch. And the problem is that those lugs are meant for a strap, for a leather strap, is, is basically how that looks. And then people threaded through the, the nylon strap that you call a NATO. And when they go ahead and try and put end links on it, it, it can look okay or it can just look cheap. You know, there, there was a guy named Walt Odets who years ago wrote a piece all about the Rolex Explorer because he thought, you know, he, he was buying Pateks and stuff like this. And people kept saying Rolex to him. So he got one. And he took it apart and then he just said, how embarrassing, because everything about this was was made in the worst way possible by a tool watch compared to his Patex. And that's what happened is he says they, they took a case made for a strap and tried to shoehorn a bracelet onto it. And so mm. that's what we've got. So which well, like I'm, I'm I also have an Explorer and I, I, I mean, I think I think they shoehorn they, they put the bracelet on this. OK. I yeah, I don't know, and I don't know, what his, I don't know what his problem well, is. Well, you know, the, in the I old see days, that guy, they like, used yeah, go get molded him. pieces of steel. They weren't even solid end links; they were just yeah, molded yeah. bits of metal, and so they were just sort of sloppily put on there and held on with the spring bar going through it. And so they would they would fold or they would bend or they would not fit right, and it was just kind of sloppily done. And when they started moving to machined solid end links, Rolex, for example, like you say, put a lot of energy into machining precisely to fill the lugs so that there's no gap on either side, no wiggle, and it would be really nice. But then you start having to decide, okay, what do you do for decoration in the center of that end link to match the rest of the bracelet? Do you stamp it? Do you mold it? Do you machine it? And Hamilton just kind of, you know, they took the way out. Yeah. I don't know. It, it It's definitely a watch that literally never, I never thought, I guess there are some watches out there that like don't need to be put on a bracelet. And to me, it was always, it, to me, it always looked nicest on the leather strap. Uh, but the one I got was the, was the green NATO well, one. Well, but, it's always, yeah. it's always been, it's always been considered like a, it's a field watch. It's a field. Exactly. You, yeah. put a, you put a canvas strap on there and you're supposed yeah. to report to, you're supposed to report for duty and you're supposed sure. to hack, hack your time and everything's supposed to be hunky dory when you hit the, uh, when you hit the field of battle, I mean, you're not going into battle yet uh, until we need to, until we have to fight the, until uh, we send you. <laughs> yeah. Until, until we have to fight the dreaded Omega, Omega lovers. Um, Bad shape if that happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This whole, your, your, your generation is an absolute mess when it comes to that. Um, that said, yeah. So see, seeing it on a bracelet is silly. It's like, it's like seeing a, seeing a, seeing a, seeing a dog in pants. That's a really funny analogy, but I, but I like it. I'll yeah. allow it. How do you like that? Wonderful. Are, are we still doing the I'll allow it uh, soundtrack sound sound noise? Or yeah, did we didn't that... have any last week. Yeah. Oh, that's no, true. It, it's in the sound the sound bank that I've got. Right, Don't good, worry about good, it. Good, good. I'm glad. All right. So there. So 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 we're, yeah. we're all going to allow it. Wasn't terribly impressed with, with. It's a great watch. You know, the watch itself, but on a bracelet looks kind looks kind of weird. I don't know. 
who are we to judge ultimately? Let, well, that's let, true. Let, let, let he who was at without sin cast the first stone. All right, what else we got? We got some Seikos coming out, right? There was a bunch of Seiko news this week. I feel like Seiko, you know, we're we're about the time of when Basel World used to happen, right? Like around kind of late winterish. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I guess we're a, a bunch of releases. Seiko was this week. They released. They they announced uh, a ton. There were two kind of tranches of watches. What I saw there was kind of a, uh, variations on their Willard, which yeah, which I think I wrote about on the site a couple of months ago. I got it. Well, a Willard homage. Uh, the the watch from Apocalypse Now, uh, and they've released or they've announced two uh, dial variants. One's kind of like a uh, like a steel blue or a slate blue, and one's kind of like a slate gray. They're both quite handsome. Uh, they're a little pricier than than certainly my homage. Uh, I think they start around three thousand dollars, I guess. Uh, which is which you know that's that it, that seems fair, frankly, but. You know, that's a different price bracket than a $200 homage. Uh, but yeah, so that was one. And then they also had uh, a couple of GMTs, the Four Seasons, uh, Grand Seiko, actually. Mm-hmm. And they are, I really like them. I don't know what else to say. I definitely, like, I I really, really like the Autumn one. It reminds me of, I actually just read for the second time, uh, Dracula, uh, the novel, <laughs> a couple months ago. And it looks, like, it feels like... Like I should go to Dracula's castle and wear that watch and be like haunted by like weird uh, vampire ladies or whatever. It's awesome. Uh, I, I think they're really good. Uh, and they're GMTs, which, you know, John obviously yeah. is a huge proponent of. So, Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of any watch that does something more than just tell the time. Uh, that can be that can be show. I, I, I recently dug into my like, garbage collection of like watch watch parts and stuff. And I found a, a erotic watch that I purchased probably oh, <laughs> years ago. It had to have been like I, I forget I forget when I got this thing, but it was li- literally the oh crap! I just dropped the screw. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, now it's done. Now we're done. Oh boy! Podcast over. Podcast over. Now I have to go on the floor. Um, an erotic watch that was uh, very very ugly and one of the worst watches that I had could have ever purchased. But it where did, did you purchase else. this watch from? The internet in in person somewhere? I suspect it, I, I, I met a man, I had met a man on Canal Street and he had a, he had, he set it up for me. He, he set it sure. for me and he said, he showed, he showed me the tricks, the, the things you need to know. Hey, sunny boy, got a nice hey, watch for you. I got a watch. Young man. Young man. Um, I mean, so Victor, give me, give me a rundown on the Grand Seiko concept. Cause I don't, I don't like it. Okay. So Grand, Grand Seiko, a thousand years ago in the 1970s started at, even 60s, started out as King Seiko. And it's a high beat watch. It's like a, a 36,000 beats vibrations per hour watch um, in the mechanical movements. And they, the things that Grand Seiko does super well are precision. You know, they have their spring drive movement and they have the high accuracy quartz movements. And they do really, really good job of polishing the cases on these. That's that's what everyone looks at these things and say, dang, because they they do really intense polishing and multifaceted polishing. So you know how the Omega twisted lug on a Seamaster is yeah. like basically three sides, the side, the twist, and then the inside part where it goes yeah. down to meet the end link of the bracelet. Um, a Grand Seiko could have as many as six different sides there because they'd add two more bevels between or three more bevels between where those sides meet and polish those and brush the rest. And to be able to brush 
polish, brush, polish, brush, polish, and have the polish, the brushing go in different directions is a skill that really only Seiko bothers to do. Now, is this an important skill? I mean, it's a lost skill, right? It's a lost art. It's it's pretty much unique to them. And the other thing that they do really well is they do interesting dial textures. You know, they they are renowned for the snowflake texture of the... uh, of the Grand Seiko, where they say that it recalls the snow-capped top of Mount Fuji. Yeah, that's. I think that's my. Right? I definitely want that watch. I think if I get that yeah. one, I could pretty much retire. Yeah, and you can retire from collecting completely. You would just give up. Uh, I would very seriously just consider just giving up. It's yeah. an interesting. That's an interesting point because I, I, I would, I would never. I would like so. So I like that. I like that. Uh, that reissue, the diver reissue. That's like super fancy. That's six thousand bucks, but I would never buy it. I just I don't I don't have the I don't have the I respect Seiko to a to an absolute degree that they've that they've made entry level great watches for millions of people, and they they they're still making mechanical watches in a world where mechanical watches are considered uh, anachronisms. Junk, yeah. Anachronisms. Uh, I just never got into Grand Seiko. Absolutely not. It just never it never appealed to me. I borrowed one from one of our readers one of our, one of our friends. And, Mm -hmm. um, I borrowed a limited edition GMT and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, the, the only thing that annoyed me about it at all was that because it was a limited edition, the GMT hand and, and a small portion between six, uh, six AM and six PM were bright yellow. And I was having to, to reconcile, do I want a yellow hand on my watch? Cause I was, I was not really up for it, mm-hmm. but the dial was fantastic. The case was beautiful. And what I loved about it, it was, it was the quartz GMT movement. It was the high accuracy quartz GMT movement that loses or gains, I think two seconds a year. And the way that it adjusted when setting the hands was beautiful. It had a jumping hour hand. So the hour hand set independently of everything else. Mm-hmm. So when you were adjusting your time, it was, it were your, your Explorer does that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could move the hour hand back and forward across midnight and the date would switch back and forth. And on some watches that poses a problem. You can damage a watch by adjusting it across midnight like that. The Seiko doesn't care. Just everything snick, snick, snick right into place. And it was, it was great. Hmm. And, uh, I even thought about buying it off of, off of this reader and, uh, just haven't come to terms with doing it yet. Yeah, exactly. I've I've never come to terms with Grand Seiko. Honestly, I haven't, I haven't. Have you, John? Have you been to the Grand Seiko boutique? Uh, where is it? It's by Grand Central. In Manhattan. Uh, I've no, no, I never have. Oh uh, yeah, I I was there over the summer. Uh, I guess it is. It is well. It's very small for one. But yeah, they have you know obviously all of their and they'll let you try anything on. Uh, and there's not like very precious about it. Like I went to then I went to the uh, I guess the Omega store a couple blocks over. This, this is one of the benefits of being you know, near New York city is that you can look at these watches in person whenever you want. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the grand Seiko guy, he was like totally cool and like very like, uh, friendly. So I would encourage if, if you're like, Oh, that looks neat. Uh, you know, see it in person, you could see it in person and then maybe, maybe buy yourself one. I don't know. All right, then I'm not, I don't work for Seiko. They don't know I exist. <laughs> they, know. They, always, they don't know me. I'm yeah. not, al- I'm not allowing it. I'm just saying you they can go maybe maybe in a couple of weeks I'll check out this uh this autumn uh Grand Seiko we were just talking. One about. of the things that struck me about Grand Seiko was that I was reading an interview with the CEO of a Swiss company. And the interview said, Well, what about Seiko? And he said, I, I can't tell you this, don't print this, and they, of course they did. But um 
he said, there are a lot of Swiss brand CEOs that would be wearing a Grand Seiko watch instead of their own brand because it's just that well-made. And I thought, well, if the Swiss can acknowledge that Seiko has done something right here, that's worth looking at. All right. Look, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it the, I'm not going to give it the, uh, the I'll allow it because I just don't, I just still haven't, I still haven't, I just still haven't achieved that point in my, uh, in my evolution and my human evolution. Uh, what's, what's a different, what's a different way of allowing it? Uh, I'll, I'll consider it. I'll consider it, but what's the sound effect you're, of that? You're tabling the motion for later. All right. I'm tabling it, tabling it. What's another Windows 3.1 sound effect that you use? <laughs> bonk. I'll figure it out. Bonk. I would yeah, also bonk. say that there's also like a certain nerdiness to to the Seiko and Grand Seiko. It's Japan and it's, you know, Japan Inc. And like Nintendo yeah, and Sony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like the spring drive. I don't know. It feels it feels in a way slightly nerdier. Uh, and as a proud nerd, uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of well, I mean, when we associate these things with countries, we, we do these terrible um, – stereotyping where we say that a country has precision as its heritage, right? The Germans, yes, Zin, exactly. or, or Zenit, or, or the Swiss, right? Precision. And the Japanese have earned that stereotype just as well as the rest of them, right? O over the uh, years? I think so. I mean, okay. I might to say, but it seems fair to say that, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Would, would, you, would you buy an Australian wristwatch? You know what? So that's the other question. Would I that's buy? That's where I draw the line. What? No, I, <laughs> no I, I, that's that's the question. Like so, so like I looked at the uh, I looked at those Icelandic watches. Okay. Remember that guy like Hudersquarter or whatever the hell his name was? Something uh, who was who was doing those who was doing those volcano watches. Oh yeah, and that oh, stuff. Yes. Was, that stuff yes. was that stuff was very specifically. It was very very Icelandic, and it but it but it wasn't it wasn't Icelandic to the point where where. I had to be in Iceland to purchase. Well, no, actually you had to be in Iceland and you had to purchase it in Iceland and you had to feel like you're being, you're taking part in some kind of Icelandic ritual doing this thing because it just wasn't that great a watch mm -hmm. in general, but, it, but because of its provenance being Icelandic, et cetera, et cetera, that it's, it's hard to find an Icelandic watch, all this other junk that's associated with that. It gives, it has a little, has a little, little je ne sais quoi that I liked about it, which is fine, which is absolutely perfect, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it. You know why? Because I don't, because it, because the that's that's the glamour that's the that's the top layer of the watch is Iceland 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 the under the undercurrent of the watch is just a it's just a three hander that somebody put put Iceland yeah. on right and yes absolutely the provenance is associated with Iceland and it's a good it's a good idea to have to support Iceland and all this other crap but uh but the but that that provenance just doesn't just isn't 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 worth the the premium you're paying for a luxury watch associated with Iceland. Same with Australia. Same with whatever else. I mean, maybe like those uh, maybe those cute little um, what are the ones that are the the, the Swiss watch the Swiss train watch? Uh, oh, mundane. Mundane. That 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 has a sort of a history to it. There's there's another one that's an Aust Austrian train watch. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but it just doesn't have it. Just doesn't give me anything. Uh, and it's and it's I don't I don't think I don't think I don't think buying a watch just because it, you bought it in Iceland or getting a watch just because it's Icelandic is is the way to go. I think you want a little bit of everything. And Swiss watches give you a little bit of everything. Say, cheap Seikos give you a little bit of everything. Uh, but an expensive Icelandic watch doesn't give you everything. Anyway, all right. Uh, anything coming up next week that we got to think about? 
I don't believe so. I don't know. Yeah, I, f- I feel like this, like, again, this is kind of like the the, the Vaza World-ish time of the year. So maybe yeah. we'll see I mean, some more stuff next well, week. T- Tissot uh, announced some yeah. stuff. Uh, you got Accutron. You got oh, yeah, Accutron. Seiko. They got all this stuff. Oh, yes, there. there's an Accutron. Yeah. Maybe we could touch on that briefly. It's like a railroad. I, I, I did a very brief post on the site. Uh, just basically remarking that like I don't see a ton of railroad dials on Instagram, which is probably like my my biggest window into like watch dumb. I guess uh, they don't seem to be particularly popular. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they don't make a lot. Uh, maybe Victor. Well, might know. I mean, the the railroad dial right is a a twelve hour around the outside and twenty four around the inside dial, and it's basically the same as your field watch, right? If you look at your Hamilton, it's except, very similar, except that it's the inverse. It's on a white background instead of being on the black background. I actually have the white dial, but yeah. Okay. So that's that's what makes a railroad dial a railroad dial is that you've got black numerals, you've got red numerals on a white base. And you don't see a lot of them because, I mean, well, first of all, who makes them? Ball makes them because they've been making them forever. Um, and other than that, not a lot of people make them anymore. I mean, who's who's riding the rails these days anyway? I mean, think about it. I was going to say there's a very nice clock outside the Yonkers Metro North Station. <laughs> if anyone ever listens to this and is in the area, there's a nice clock right in by Yonkers. Go visit. Yeah. Go visit Nicholas while you're out there too. Beautiful. It's a it's a fine place. It's a fine. Place I feel like there. I feel like I feel like we need. I think we need to we, we need to do a Yonkers meetup. We will just do it Yonkers. Yeah. Just you and a Yonkers you, Raceway. We should. Yeah. Do <laughs> you and uh you and some guy under the clock. That's right. why. This has been the Our Time Podcast, a, uh, a podcast about all sorts of things, including how I hate Seiko. I'm John Biggs. <laughs> I'm Victor Marks. And I'm Nicholas DeLeon. And we shall see you next week. 